0: In this episode, I speak with Josh Clemente. He is the co-founder of Levels Health, and we get into metabolic health, uh, the need and importance of continuous glucose monitoring, and how uh, the wearables space has exploded, being able to integrate technology with health, and that they're on the forefront of being an element that can really transform you know there's devices out there that are monitoring a variety of things but to be able to track your glucose has a significant impact historically these types of devices have been used for those in chronic states so used with di- diabetes and things like other chronic diseases um, but with uh, the growing number of the population that is actually pre-diabetic based on a variety of things including a food supply that the importance of early detection is critical, and uh, not only that, in the long term, it can impact uh, the ever skyrocketing healthcare costs. Also, the fact that we don't have to be sick as we get older, and this is an opportunity in which you can start using tools like Levels Health and impact that for yourself, and then be able to customize your own menu options, your own food based on how you respond to be able to optimize your diet that will give you the best performance each day no matter what you're doing. If you're out doing a marathon or running the kids to school or working in corporate America, whatever it looks like, you're optimized, you're clear-headed, and diet has a huge impact on that, and being able to manage your glucose is huge. And... um, addresses kind of the ever-growing metabolic health concerns. So uh, thanks for listening. Please rate and review, share with anyone that needs to hear this. Grateful for you. Remember, be what? Be rested, be well. Before we get into this episode, I just want to give a shout out to Pure Spectrum CBD oil. It's something I've been using as of late, and it has really helped with the quality of rest. It's improved my heart rate variability. It's improved my uh, deep sleep. And so I'm feeling much more refreshed, more um, vibrant when I wake up in the mornings. So I would encourage you to give it a try and use the code R-R-P-O-D. If you check out PureSpectrumCBD.com. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Well, with me today is uh, founder of Levels Health, Josh Clemente, and uh, Josh, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. I really appreciate you bringing me on. Yeah, um, looking forward to this conversation. It's it's um, interesting times where we live. Just not even the last three to four months, but uh, in the space of IT and wearables. I mean, my background is in IT uh, and. Um been using wearables for years and but it seems the last few years the things have really exploded to get to what I've also heard on other episodes is that personalized health um where it's not just a one size fits all and it seems like you guys and levels fits right there, so i'm I'm looking forward to digging into this.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it personally as well. You know, it's kind of been a life-changing couple of years for me in, in this respect, uh, taking more control over my own daily decisions and then ultimately realizing that this is not just a problem that I personally am experiencing. Um, and I'll, I'll dig into specifically what I mean by that, but, but also a problem that a, a vast majority now of the population
0: globally is experiencing. So I'm excited to, to dive in. Yeah. Yeah. And you touch on something that we'll probably cover on, you know, things, health is not binary as in like you're healthy or you're not. There seems Mm -hmm. to be more of a continuum that's getting unpacked over the last maybe couple of years. And I think you guys are right in that space. Exactly. Uh, So, so, but before we kind of get into levels, but maybe we, uh, you know, like the movies that flashback,
1: you know, how Mm -hmm.
0: you kind of started to get to this point at levels and what was that kind of um, journey professionally and personally? Absolutely,
1: yeah. So, my background is aerospace engineering. I started out at SpaceX after school and was focused primarily on structural work and then ultimately uh, headed in the direction of my own personal interests, which was into life support systems development. So, uh, as the, basically the last half of my career was spent uh, developing astronaut life support systems, which uh, ultimately just took Bob Benkin and uh, Doug Hurley to the International Space Station in May. Wow, and so uh, that that program was kind of the defining one of my, my career there at SpaceX, and introduced me to a huge amount of uh, human performance information and and sort of the cutting edge of research for uh, you know divers and astronauts and those who are constantly performing at the, the the peak. And so that exposure actually is what led me to start to take stock of my own decisions each day and how I was optimizing my lifestyle for longevity and health span. And what I found, I didn't really like, you know, I, I upon doing some inventory, I realized that I was uh, experiencing like just significant fatigue levels and just a general dissatisfaction, a disagreement between how I, you know, could perform in the gym or looked maybe aesthetically and how I felt inside. And yeah. so I think that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, we all land somewhere on this metabolic spectrum and the way that our metabolic health manifests can, can be uh, visual, it can be cognitive, it can it, you know, can be the way that we feel, the way that we look. Or ultimately the, the long-term risk factors we carry
0: yeah yeah um and i can relate to that to a degree As you know a runner been relatively conditioned and um on paper you would think i'd be kind of the ideal health and uh but always felt like something was just off right you just kind of know your own body enough right. to know something's not quite right but you don't know what it is oh yeah i know the feeling well Uh, that's exactly the one i described
1: and uh you know it is my experience with continuous glucose monitoring personally which uh, it was it was very you know sort of challenging to get my hands on this technology early on and i can explain more about what this is uh, further in the show but my experience with this tech and and having a closed feedback loop between my actions and the reactions that occurred that actually highlighted for me that it was my own choices i was making each day specifically with diet uh, that were introducing these massive energy swings uh, which were ultimately a function of the energy levels in my body the glucose levels and so um yeah you know that that connecting the dots between how i felt and like this vague sensation of like oh, something's off here very qualitative very subjective to i now have an objective data stream and i can make choices that are like again influenced by my prior Uh, data that i've gathered which is is very paradigm shifting in my
0: opinion so why don't we touch on the term so those listening can kind of understand what we're referring to you you mentioned cgm or continuous glucose monitoring you know what is that exactly and where has it historically been found or who has been using that absolutely
1: so uh, just to start off with
0: glucose so glucose is
1: the primary energy source for the average modern human so what that means is when you consume carbohydrates, you digest them, and a molecule called glucose, which is sugar, is released into the bloodstream, and so this disperses into the body's tissues. Eventually, it enters the individual cells where it's used to power cellular function. Um, there are other macronutrients, uh, which what we call glucose, Some other macronutrients include fat and uh, exogenous and endogenous ketones, which can also generate energy. And so um, glucose being the primary molecule is the one that ultimately drives uh, our experiences, our hormonal cascade, um, our weight gain, our weight loss, basically all of our energetic processes. And that's what we call the metabolic system. So uh, given glucose's primary role in metabolism, continuous glucose monitoring is a technology that was developed initially for the monitoring of those glycemic levels uh, for those with diabetes. And the reason that you have to do this is diabetes is a condition where control of glucose is is lost. So the body tries uh, normally to maintain a very tight band of glucose, and and we can explain kind of some of those reasons further along, but let's just say that the body tries to maintain a tight control band for glucose. And when uh, some control mechanism like insulin is lost, the, these glucose levels start to get out of control and um, and this is where in diabetes you start to introduce uh, injections of insulin or other means of controlling glucose and that's where continuous glucose monitoring initially started was as a tool for management of diabetes it's now getting to the point where it's it's ready for a more general wellness audience
0: yeah and so it's more of somebody who had an extreme or systemic issue where it seems like now it's Things are slipping more into the general population. I'll call it um, who can take advantage of this, right? Exactly.
1: You know, as, as I mentioned, every human being is powered by glucose essentially, and it, you know we we at Levels where we're not we're not opposed to glucose, you No, know, we're not anti-sugar. It's it's the fact is that we use it in all of our cellular processes. The the concern is, as we touched on at the very beginning of the show, there is a very broad spectrum of metabolic dysfunction, and typically we kind of think of glucose problems or metabolic problems as just diabetes. Actually, there's a massive variety here and uh, things like PCOS, sexual dysfunction, mental and cognitive dysfunction, cardiovascular disease, all these are very closely connected to to glycemic and specifically metabolic breakdown. And so what what we're doing with continuous glucose monitoring and the, the sort of development trajectory of the technology is it's becoming more available and therefore more useful for these the other uh, 90% of the spectrum of metabolic dysfunction that doesn't fit the category of diagnosable uh, diabetes. And uh, beyond that, not just for the sort of illness reasons, but also for the optimization of personal performance and wellness, rest, recovery. So so the biggest levers that control glycemic control uh, and, and insulin mechanisms are sleep, stress, diet, and exercise. And so all of these things can be improved when you have better information about how your choices are affecting you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's huge because like you were saying earlier, you know, both of us that you know how you feel, but you don't know why. And it right. seems like this can really kind of pinpoint and zero in that personalized wellness journey to really discover, you know, okay, I ate whatever, fill in the blank, an orange, and I'm feeling a certain way. You would think, Okay, it's good for me, but it might be doing something to your body that isn't processing it. So yeah. is that fair? Yeah, that's, that's effectively, uh, you know, one of the
1: primary use cases now. So, uh, in fact, e- even in the management of diabetes, one of the, the key use cases of continuous glucose monitoring is being able to identify the dietary factors for that individual that cause large excursions. And you can use that information to, to meter in insulin or, or what have you for, to you know, maybe avoid it altogether. But for the person who's not monitoring diabetes, um, and, and this is me, you know, I actually initially used continuous glucose monitoring. And found out that um, these energy fluctuations I was experiencing, which I touched on at the beginning of the show, you know, these were increasing with my, you know, I kind of blamed them on aging. I was like, what's going on? You know, I'm still, I was in my late 20s, but I was like, what? How is it that my my mood and my fatigue levels are just so off right now? Every single day is kind of a struggle. I'm drinking coffee to just to make it through the afternoon. Uh, Two o'clock in the afternoon is like the witching hour for me. I'm just yeah, Just kind of lolling in my seat. And so I got my, my first CGM and saw that I was having these massive excursions in blood sugar after my meals. And ultimately, I, I actually uh, was either borderline or fully pre-diabetic, depending on who, who you ask to, to analyze the data. Really? And I had absolutely no idea of this up until that moment of connecting the the real-time information, uh, seeing the real-time information. And what was happening is my, the meals that I was consuming um were high in, in complex carbohydrates, which I assumed was a healthy choice. And my goal was to maintain at that time a, you know, a certain muscle mass. And so I was uh, you know, consuming fairly large meals with large numbers of carbohydrates, sort of as a glycogen replenishment uh, approach. And these, uh, these carbohydrates I'm, I'm quite sensitive to, and they were causing these massive excursions, which would ultimately lead to several hours of what's called hyperglycemia, so elevated glucose levels followed by a big crash which is when the insulin would sort of surge out into my bloodstream to pull the glucose out into the cells and that's when my blood sugar would, would plummet and right around that time this is about 2 hours after lunch is where I am I'm just desperate for a coffee I, I'm literally crawling my way to the cafe or whatever <laughs> to get to get the next fuel surge yeah. and you know repeat the whole cycle
0: yeah it's kind of like the uh, you know the the parenting joke of the the kid sugar rush right, of that spike, and yeah. they're running all over the place, and then they crash. I mean, right. adults go through the same thing, right? Exactly. You know,
1: we there is a huge uh, spectrum of glycemic sensitivity, and one, one of the most fascinating outcomes of the proliferation of CGM technology is that uh, we've now had several large-scale studies, one was done in 2015 in Israel, that showed in people without diabetes the vast individuality of glucose sensitivity. So of your personal response or these individual's personal response to the same foods. So I'll just drop an anecdote here, but uh, they picked out an example, which was two individuals, both ate a banana and a cookie made from wheat, and they had equal and opposite responses in terms of blood sugar response to those two foods. So the point being that you, you can not only have a varying amount of response to a food, but you can actually have the opposite response to someone else. So a spike or a crack, you know, a spike or a flat line, depending on whether you're more sensitive to, for example, a fruit sugar in the banana case or a grain sugar in the wheat case. And so we have uh, seen this at, at scale in the levels program now. And, and I personally see this all the time. You have these uh, we, we kind of in society assume that uh, glucose control is just all the same up until something breaks. Right. And then now you're in the sort of diabetes management zone. But the reality is that there is a very slow progression of chronic choices that we make without information about the result, and because there's so much variation, there's no one-size-fits-all choice yes. that we can all make, right? And so now that this leads to just it, it can be overwhelming because you're like, oh man, how am I supposed to know what I what I should do? Uh, because there's so many choices, I don't know if I can make the right one without you know some sort of unnecessary or unintended consequence. Well, the reality is that the, the choice you have to you should make should be influenced by your own data and. And so that's what we believe is that bringing more uh, real-time bio-wearable information, glucose, heart rate is another one that we've had for some time. This can help us influence and close the loop between choice and response.
0: Yeah, that's huge because, I mean, you know, uh, somewhat anecdotally, you you see over the last few years, and it's always been the case, is the diet, right? Mm -hmm. Diet is supposed to be how you eat regularly, but you keep seeing these different quote-unquote fad diets. And some people will lose a ton of weight some people will feel completely sick on it. And so it's like, you know, whether it's keto or paleo or whatever it is, um, it's almost like if it works for one person, this can help clarify why it will or won't work mm. for someone. Or instead of jumping into one, you can pick the right one right away. It's that. So that, that last point is really where we, we like to focus. So uh, the beautiful
1: thing about glucose is it's in all of our, our bodies. You know, it's not something that you can sort of opt into. Um, what you can do is you can, uh, you, you know, and so what that means is that there's no real dietary philosophy that we push. We don't say like, you have to eat this certain way, vegan or keto, or any of those, uh, sort of sub, uh, philosophies of eating. Instead, we just say, whatever your philosophy is, you should ground it in data. So you can optimize a vegan diet, you can optimize a ketogenic diet, uh, both using data. It's, it's very important that as we touch on those specific sensitivities that you may have, You you should know that, see that, and understand that there are consequences to these these decisions, and you can just navigate around them by either uh, something as simple as taking a walk after a meal. It's extremely powerful in terms of controlling a large-scale response, which could introduce inflammation and free radicals. Uh, Alternatively, you could mix up your macronutrient order, so having a nice green salad before a meal has has been shown both in the research and in our database to have a profound effect on the post-meal Response. All of these levers that you can that you can pull on. You know, sleep is one of the biggest factors. Yeah, you know, five and a half hours of sleep versus eight, you will have a completely different acute insulin res, uh, resistance, right? So the way that your body processes insulin, which uh, or so, sorry re- responds to insulin, which helps process glucose, is dramatically affected by the the sort of rest, the sleep that you experience. And so, um, you know, that that acute stress that you get from a short night's sleep can really affect how you respond to meals. And so you should maybe navigate around that by making different dietary choices or exercise choices a day after, you know, a red eye flight, for example. And so it's all, it's all very, um, you know, it, again, it, it can sound overwhelming because there's so many variables here. But when you have real time insight, you can just make the decision in, in the moment with the information available. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Based on that last point on the, on the sleep piece, it seems like it's kind of bi-directional, right? Where your sleep is your body recovering and being able to adapt to its optimal level. So then when you enter the next day, you can receive the inputs, i.e. food the right way. Uh, But if you also sleep too little uh, or excuse me. Yeah. So uh, it just seems like they're, they're cohabitating there. Yeah. They're sort of working intention and in tandem almost
1: where uh, poor sleep means poor responses and poor responses mean poor sleep. And it can kind of be a vicious cycle. And, uh, you know, this is all pretty well documented. And I I personally have (laughs) several examples where I try to, you know, I'm not much of a biohacker, but I do track my heart rate and the heart rate variability and, and glucose. And I see the effects again of, of, you know, if I have a kind of a heavy meal at the end of the night, I will see glucose elevations throughout the night, which correlate very closely with heart rate. and and stress, which is, you know, heart rate variability metric. And so um, this, yeah, and and this can manifest as a reduced recovery score the next morning from, you know, from my wearable, which provides me a recovery score. And the reciprocal of that is, again, we talked about a minute ago, which is that poor sleep affects your insulin resistance, right? You'll have this acute insulin resistance situation. So a breakfast that is perfectly fine keeps your glucose levels right in the target range uh, on a normal day can uh, be a a large excursion and can throw off your hormonal balance, whether or not you're, you know, in sort of weight gain mode because of your insulin levels or, uh, or burning more fat, you know, oxidizing fat more freely. All of this stuff can be affected by just a simple uh, missed night of sleep, right? And so this, this data can help announce this to you and, you know, across the board, sleep is just such an important area of focus. You know, you've got, American sleeping something like 25% less than they were a hundred years ago. And over yeah. that si- same time, we've gone from less than 1% of the population having diabetes to more than 10%. Right. So, so these metrics are moving in the same direction and in the wrong direction. And, and so we really have to focus on this recovery element, not just for metabolic health, or, well, not just for, for sleep health, but also for metabolic health.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, the word preventive comes to mind because you know, that can cascade into a, probably four other conversations, but like the healthcare system and how it's backend loaded as we get older. And the assumption is it's cause we're aging. Well, that is one reason, but based on your last point, it's a little bit on what's been happening on our food supply and things of that nature and the impact on us not being able to catch it sooner. We live this particular lifestyle and then we go over the line in a negative way that can't be reversed. Right. And it seems like this is going to be able to catch it much sooner so that you can, regardless of whether it's your 25 or 45, mm-hmm. you know, you can make that adjustment now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting to,
1: to what you just mentioned there. Uh, there are some promising studies in, in particular. Our friends of at to Health uh, showed, you may have heard, in 2018, they showed some initial results on the, the reversal of type 2 diabetes using a ketogenic diet without uh, pharmaceutical intervention they were able to get off insulin and all these other meds so there are some very promising uh and, and actually they by the way those those results have been maintained now i think for three years straight so the uh the reversal is sustainable and that's really fascinating because it shows that this dietary lever that we can pull on it can can both work on the preventative and the, the, the uh, reversal directions yeah but um but yeah i mean it's a totally great point there there is no I don't think there's anything to the argument that we're just going to get sick as we get older. You know, we have yeah. tons of information from blue zones and, and areas around the world where people are healthy and cognitively sharp all the way into you know hundred years old and plus. And, you know, what we need to start orienting around is this concept of health span more so than lifespan. This is how I personally feel It's just lifespan is the number of years you live. Health span is the number of years you are living, you know, so like going out and able to be functional and able to, uh, you know, have, have independence and sort of, um, yeah, just, just feel in control. And so I think that the the choices that we make today, you know, they compound over over years and decades into an ultimate outcome, right? And uh, having better information across the board, I think is the key to everyone being able to better understand, you know, for example, just I'm just going to sit down for lunch. What am I going to eat and why? You know, we, we, sh- we should just have some rationale behind that decision. Yeah. Because today, you know, there largely is not a, a, a individual rationale there is a an average where i heard a friend did this or i read on the internet that i should eat this you know but there is no closed loop again where i do something i see the response and that influences my choices going forward i strongly believe that across the metabolic spectrum across the age spectrum uh, better information is just it's where we have to start in order to even you know improve the conversation
0: yeah better awareness and gate and engagement our own um wellness journey and in that you know i think Myself included is sometimes we just oversimplify the food and the impact, and oh, I'm just having a hamburger or whatever, and we eat it, and then we just move on. It's just food, and right. we don't we don't think about uh, the influence or consequence of that uh, over time.
1: Yeah, you know, it's um, that's exactly right. You know, it's very easy. One of the one of the really interesting things from from our user base is just the. Complete light bulb moment sort of changes the conversation around um, these, what you what you might consider to be negative feedback loops, like, oh, you shouldn't, you know, you go to the doctor, they tell you you should eat better or work out more, right? And that that's kind of sounds like chiding information and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, but it's just a burger, I'll just have one. Now we're seeing that people will eat that burger and they'll see a very large sustained completely out of family results so their glucose levels are. They, they explode, they sustain very high, you know, long durations, become crashing down people start to use this interoception where they start to, you know, sort of perceive the way they feel and connect it now to r- real information. And that completely changes their perspective going forward. It's almost like you don't have to tell that person to, uh, to avoid that situation. Now, they have seen a consequence and it's a, it's an objective consequence which they otherwise never had. And that's what I think is so fascinating here is that uh, these light bulbs start going off where you're like, finally, some, something that is not, you know, just sort of generalized advice or subjective. This is real. Uh, you know, I can I can go and compare myself against the population and see how I respond specifically to these foods, and I see the individual variability. Uh, you know, whereas where a friend or you know the average population causes a huge, sees a huge elevation uh, due to, for example bananas, but I personally can eat berries all day with no problems. And it's these types of things that are both freeing, you know, you've got the, the negative feedback loop of the burger, but then also the positive feedback of finding those foods that do work really well for you. And so right. it, it kind of just like paints in the picture of what, where should I look, you know, to, to make better choices.
0: Yeah. I mean, it kind of feeds into what I'll call kind of personal sovereignty. Like, you know, you are taking ownership of it. You're not a victim for lack of a better term of consequence other than your own choices uh, but you're you're now better equipped with the information to make those better choices because exactly. you can see the consequence or you can link, you know, think seems like, uh, I, again, myself included at one point was you'd eat something, you'd feel a certain way and, you know, you shouldn't feel that way after it, but you just accept it as, oh, that's how I respond to it. Like right. dairy and you feel bloated, mm-hmm. right? But really, you shouldn't be feeling like that after you eat food. You should mm-hmm. feel nourished and, and replenished in some semblance of energy, exactly. not either bloated or like you were saying, your personal example, the, you know, two hour later crash, we kind of taken that as the cultural norm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, what's even, you know, go, goes to this whole complexity and makes it even more interesting is there are choices that people are making every day that they have been um, sort of influenced to make because they believe them to be the healthier choice that because of this personal variability metric, could be actively working against their goals, right? So, um, you know, one example would be me eating all those carbohydrates that I thought was was great for glycogen replenishment or something. But another example would be, um, you know, one of the largest glucose excursions I've ever had was I went to a pressed juice cart and I, I got a carrot, celery, and apple juice. It was just all pressed, no additives, and my glucose levels were sustained in, in a, you know, a diabetic blood sugar range, somewhere that you should, you know, typically would not go unless you had an actual uh, metabolic Breakdown and they were staying for several hours. So it was a it was an extremely eye opening moment for me. And I shared this with someone else who was who was around at the time. And she said, you know, this is crazy. I, I go to that cart every morning instead of to the Dunkin' Donuts for a frappuccino because you know it's the healthier choice. And you know it's not to say that you should avoid. Pressed juice or vegetable juice or anything. Uh, I think there are exceptional ways to eat vegetables and fruits that would not cause that excursion without processing them that way. But in general, again, there's that personalization element where it's not clear to me that someone else like she would respond the same way I did. Right. But you know, when you have that so that information, you can now realize that man, many people may be making that choice of just drinking, or, you know, orange juice every morning uh, instead of the soda, but actually having the same response. And so maybe instead, they should be having. Uh, a black coffee, or you know, uh, maybe even a tea. Something that gives them the energy without the sugar rush, and they can see the data behind those choices. You know, another really interesting one is oatmeal. We have we have a ton of users in the uh, in the database who have kind of been gravitating towards oatmeal as breakfast. They don't really love it, um, yeah. but they tell us, you know, it's it's, I it, it's it's the healthiest food you can eat, right? It's heart healthy, and yet there's this individual pers- uh, sensitivity to it that can cause again pre-diabetic or, or, or diabetic blood sugar response every single morning. And, you know, it's not, it's, so just, just to kind of drive home the, the issues with hyperglycemic uh, excursions are that they have re- very real, very tangible, measurable uh, inflammatory and oxidative components to them. So uh, the the results of a post, postprandial hyperglycemic spike can be pro-inflammatory chemicals like IL-6, TNF-alpha, C-reactive protein. All of these things are measurably increased, all of these inflammatory uh, cytokines are, are man, uh, manually increased after you, you consume a large meal that, that causes a huge glucose spike, and uh, they are elevated for long durations after. And, you know, once you have conditions like diabetes, all of these inflammatory markers are typically elevated in someone with continuous hyperglycemic, uh, you know, elevations. And so, you know, these are stressful. They're, they're causing breakdowns and glycations of things like skin. Your skin health gets worse, your joints, uh, you know cardiovascular diseases, um, micro and macrovascular degeneration, retinopathy, all of these sort of issues that they may not be acute and you may not be experiencing symptoms of them immediately, but you, but is it an optimal choice? And the likelihood right. is that no, you know, each time you have this inflammatory cascade, you're causing a little bit of, of detriment that you could otherwise avoid if you just made that different choice, you know? So um, yeah, that's, it's all very um, very closely tied, but we just don't have, the the window into our biology and to know that in the moment. You know, and I think that now the technology is finally allowing it.
0: Yeah. And you, you mentioned optimal and that's it back to the kind of the juice you were talking about is um it's more of a degrees conversation than a uh, either or like should mm-hmm. I have the vegetables or not, or oversimplifying it's good for me. Yes it is, but maybe you know 12 ounces is too much. Maybe you should only have like four ounces right now exactly. or whatever that variability is based on your individual uh, personalized data. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the sort of U shaped curve
1: is so, is so uh, profound here for, for many things like, you know, salt, even sleep, you get, you get too little of it. You it's equally bad as if you get too much of it, you know? And so for sleep, you think, well, if I, if, if more sleep is good, the most sleep is the best. Well, that's actually not true. It's inversely correlated with, with, uh, life life lifespan, you know? So like people who sleep too much, which, you know, they may have some other confounders there, but uh, also have the same sort of issues that those who sleep too little do. And with salt, you know, eating too much can, can cause high blood pressure, but eating, eating none can kill you. And so this is kind of the same with everything where we, we can find the right balance if we, uh, you know, if we're constantly getting some feedback on whether that choice is like, you know, where, where are we in the sweet spot? And this is where some of the metrics that we track, like time and range and postprandial excursion are, are really useful, where when you get that glucose data stream after a meal, you know, it's all analyzed by an algorithm that we have produced that, that sort of uh, can give you a score based on how you personally responded to that specific meal. And so for something like, uh, you know, vegetable juice, again, uh, maybe not 12 ounces or 16 ounces that might cause a, an expiration, but it doesn't mean don't drink any, maybe have a shot or two, you know, sort of two or four ounces in the morning, somewhere where that time and range is optimized for getting all those vitamins and nutrients that you want, uh, but without the consequences of sort of an overdose. So
0: to speak. Yeah. So you kind of touched on actual tool itself. So we talked about what it can provide, what it's analyzing, What is kind of the user experience, I'll call it? You know, I I saw on the website it's a patch. So how does the patch work? You know, what is it linked to? Is it?
1: Yeah, so uh, the technology today is is a wireless sort of patch that has a filament on it. And And that filament is actually in the skin cells. And so you wear this patch for about 14 days, is currently the industry leader. And that filament is measuring and electrochemically interacting with the glucose levels in your skin. And so that produces a, uh, a, an output, which is the, the amount of glucose in your in your blood. And that is wirelessly transferred to your cell phone, right? So it's, uh, it's basically like any other wearable, you, you wear the device and then you get the output on your phone. And so the Levels program, what we've built is we uh, leverage existing hardware. So the hardware has been developed, it's FDA regulated here in the US as prescription only. And so we work with existing hardware that is be used for the management of diabetes, but we are expanding access to the general wellness and performance world uh, for people who are trying to optimize health, just general health seekers, people who want to, to make better dietary choices, uh, you know, enhance their recovery, and all, all of these other sort of use cases across the metabolic spectrum. And so using the Levels app, which communicates with the devices, you have a continuous data stream of your glucose levels in real time, which we then, uh, using the Levels analytics platform, provide scores for so that um, each day you, you sort of log your, your lifestyle choices, your exercise is automatically pulled in from Apple health kit, your meals, you just snap a picture of, and then be analyzed how you respond to that specific choice and provide you with a score. And that score is directionally helping you, uh, spin, you know, string together streaks of good choices. And, and these streaks are, you know, each meal is good, but then each day you also get a score so that you understand how uh, these choices are stacking up in positive and, and sort of, Less, less desirable direction. So over time, you, you streak these together, and um, you know over the, the course of our twenty eight day program, you get a good understanding of where you are, uh, you know, doing well, and the there's room for optimization. And you can see, you know, with our reporting, the way that you've improved across the twenty eight days. And then you, you take that information, and um, and you can check in with us regularly. You know, we 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 have about twenty five to thirty percent of our users choose to just monitor continuously because they realize that this close feedback loop is so valuable and uh, it almost feels like you know voluntarily giving up your smartphone would have you know in 2011. Once once you have the data stream, it's like oh, I can't get rid of this thing. So um yeah, it's that's kind of the the gist of, of how the program works. And happy to dig into okay. any of those details.
0: Yeah. So w- when you say the patch, you mentioned how it connects. So is it breaking the skin or is it like? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, um, it's a called minimally, minimally invasive. So, uh, the filament does break the skin. It's very flexible and you, you just wear it continuously on the arm. And, uh, so the kind of comparison here would be in order to get your glucose level at home, you, you have to use the only other technology is a finger prick, uh, blood sugar monitor, which we've probably all seen. You use a lance that you kind of prick your finger, you get some blood and push it out onto a, onto a test strip. And so that gives you a single data point. And with this, uh, filament style electrochemical sensor, it has a much smaller filament. It is not actually in the bloodstream. It's in what's called the interstitial fluid, which is in between the skin cells and the arm. And, uh, it's that single, that single filament and you wear it continuously for 14 days. And, um, so, so it's much less invasive than just your standard, like single point measurement finger stick, but it is, it is regulated as a medical device as it does break the skin there.
0: Okay. And then you said it's, um, based off of existing hardware, already approved. Um, But can anybody sign up or, or get this access to it right yet? So uh, right now we're
1: in beta mode and and beta mode, we are, we are very interested in optimizing our algorithms to help people ensure that they're getting the most actionability out of the data. Right. And so ultimately, yes, the program is for everyone. It's for anyone who wants to know more about their bodies, anyone who's seeking health and optimization today. We are, uh, we have a limited number of, of spots because we are, in that beta mode oriented around getting feedback, you know, very, very intensive feedback. Basically, you're, you're kind of joining the Levels team for a month and giving us just as many updates as possible. So as we as we near uh, completion of that development period, we're going to be rolling out our pre-orders very soon. And then ultimately, we will have just a, a full launch where you will be able to order it from,
0: from the website. Okay. And then, um, so you have an app. Does it integrate with any others or is that on the roadmap at some point with like things like... You know, exercise apps and, and other devices. Devices. Yeah,
1: yeah. We have a, a pretty amazing roadmap. You know, the, we kind of have two directions. So there's the external integrations with existing products that people love. Um, An example of this would maybe be an oral Ring or a Whoopstrap. All of this kind of communicates through Apple HealthKit and Google Fit, which you already have on your phone. And so we're starting off with those those key sort of operating system-based integrations. But we are uh, exploring uh, integrations with all of the other products out there that people are using to monitor uh, their wellness today and performance. And so uh, we will have a roadmap of integrations, but ultimately we, we at Levels will be the hub for metabolic health. And so that means we're also going to introduce additional analytes into the the metabolic models we use. So this may be point in time lab tests, for example, or additional data streams that, uh, you know, we we see coming to market in the next few months and years, where we'll be able to further, you know, increase the resolution of the choices and insights that we uh, help you sort of adjust and and, and each day, you know, making better choices will will kind of ultimately be influenced by more than just glucose.
0: Got it. So kind of continue to fan out around total health and the other elements that influence. Exactly. Yeah. So we have this concept of metabolic fitness and and, well,
1: truly we have two concepts. One is metabolic awareness, and that is a sort of a passive experience, but one where you finally close the loop between a choice you make and the response your body experiences. So that's, that's a defining moment for most people. But then there's the question of how do you get better, right? And so metabolic fitness is uh, just like physical fitness or, or mental wellness or mental fitness. You know you would it's something that you have to put in focus and repetition and kind of put effort in and improve over time as you make these choices day after day. And so we, we are striving for metabolic fitness and it's certainly true that glucose is an extremely important metric and one that the majority of the world frankly can can benefit from optimizing but but we don't want to just be a local optimizer where we only care about one data stream the reality is the body is uh, it's a very complicated wet chemistry set right and so there's a lot yep, going exactly. on there <laughs> and the more <laughs> we can measure, all the, the time. more we can manage yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know as we as more of this technology becomes available in the real time data monitoring which of course this is, you know, Blue is just the first uh, we'll, we'll be incorporating all of that
0: into our models. Very cool. Yeah. This is just, I think it's just so, so awesome that we're able to do this. Like you mentioned walking chemistry said. I say that all the time. Oh, yeah. um, and just cause we're just so unique and, you know, I've made the joke at a simple level is, you know, one of my parents might not respond well to garlic, but I have no problem, you know, like mm. those silly little things. It's like, the same thing is across everything we do and mm-hmm. uh, the idea of a one size fits all is a flawed model um, you can definitely cluster people into groups mm-hmm. um, and draw correlation which I'm sure part of the data set is exactly that the better respond at scale right. but at the same time um, we're individuals in many levels
1: yeah you know it's I think the the more nuance we can bring to the conversation the better our, our insights can be and so you know, we use these extremely blunt instruments like uh, glycemic index, right? The glycemic index is normalized across the entire population. And someone may it may be true that if you drink pure glucose, it will have the highest glycemic response for everyone of any food they can consume. But the question is, how high is, does your glucose go versus mine? And that is completely lost in the glycemic index. There is no absolute value that you can, you can orient yourself around.
0: I might be a 5, you might be an 8. It, it, and, and actually, the, if you look at the numbers, it's,
1: it's more like you might be a 500 and I might be a 100. So there are, there are multiple times. Uh, so, so the people who go into the, the data sets that go into the glycemic index calculation, there are uh, multiples of each other who are all normalized down to a 100. Right. So, so your 500 and my 100 are both 100s on the glycemic index calculation. And so that's where all the nuance is removed. Uh, you know, and so it's not true that we all experience the same response. And that's not the intention of the glycemic index, but it's the way that it is currently used in society. And we have many more examples of this where, Uh, You know, we use these, again, blunt instruments like uh, an A1C check or a fasting glucose to try to describe the the whole person and how their metabolism is operating, how metabolically healthy they are. But the reality is that's the slowest, that is the slowest metric to respond to metabolic breakdown, fasting glucose. By the time your fasting glucose exceeds the threshold, your dynamic glucose, the way that you're responding to meals and sleep and stress and all this stuff is way broken. And it's much easier to, to start making better choices. You know, or it's similar to like you know, a degree of separation at a, at a mile is, is thousands of miles apart at, excuse me, at a few hundred miles. So it's sort of like this geometric concept for how quickly things can get, get out of control if you don't intervene at the right time. Um, you know, the sensitivities thing, we, we have people who have found these really interesting relationships between foods that they're allergic to. And their glycemic response. Mm. And that, you know, we don't have enough data really to, to say that that's causal, but it could be, again, one of those inflammatory or stress responses where the body is under acute stress due to the allergy. And so that's causing a, an insulin resistance and a glucose response. So, so much more to, un, to unpackage here.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Plenty, plenty more to learn. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I'm fascinated to watch where you guys go with this and, uh, and learn more about it just because I just, yeah, I I think this is where we have to go on so many levels and and the, it gives it's now technology enables what we just talked about on the walking chemistry stats that I think before we just didn't, maybe we knew, but there wasn't a way to really scale that individual approach well. Uh, And I think it seems we're at the tipping point um, or the beginning of that stage.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, I, I don't I don't want to point fingers or like assign blame to the, to the way that we currently kind of run things in terms of our dietary choices and and the metrics that we measure every year, uh, you know, our blood markers. But you know, that was kind of the way the system had to be set up before you had microelectronics, before everyone had a supercomputer in their pocket. So right. it's it's totally reasonable. That's where we started. It's just the point I think that we need to kind of think about is. Well, now things are very different. Technology has advanced at an unbelievable pace. And what hasn't kept pace is the way that we make choices at, at related to our health. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing. I always kind of make this, uh, this metaphor, but I can pull my phone out and I can look at my bank account statement. I can look at today's, you know, deposits and withdrawals. And I can look at 50 years from now, my projected, you know, returns on investments and uh, best case, worst case scenarios. I can get expert advice, you know, and this is all very confidential information. But how do I know I'm going to be there in 50 years or 30 years to to experience that retirement? I have no similar, uh, you know, metric or no similar technology guiding my choices when it relates to my health, which to me is a completely broken system. And we have this data swirling around in our bodies every day. It just needs to be captured and used uh, for better choices. So I think that's kind of what what we're focused on is like shifting us from a, a reactionary sort of um, you know, symptom management approach to to healthcare to more of a proactive. Uh, you know, you're way ahead of it because you're optimizing the way you feel, the way you look each day, and that's coming with the corresponding improvement in your your long term risk of these sort of metabolic breakdowns, uh, as opposed to just like wait, wait for the breakdown and then respond
0: to it. Yeah, and it seems like you're equipping people to make better decisions and help create those better habits that, in many t- cases, we may all know we need to make, but we don't know the what and the why behind it. And it seems like that's yeah. what this will help equip those folks with.
1: It. Yeah, I think so. You know, the, the, the beauty again is uh, that metabolic awareness, seeing things happen in real time. Like when your body speaks to you, you listen, like people just, they don't really push back against, against that data source. Um, but then you also get this beautiful accountability component where uh, when you have this device on and you start, once you have explored all the kind of different sensitivities you have uh, and you understand what's going to happen, now you know that if I, you know, if I make that choice that I know will be detrimental, I'm going to have to see the data. It's good. I'm going to have to face the music and face myself. And so we we have like a ton of, of anecdotes where people just voluntarily tell us, you know, last night my whole, my whole company went out for ice cream and, you know, I'm on this diet and I just didn't even want it because I had the data, the, the data stream. And I just like knew I'd have to see the giant spike and I knew that my sleep would be bad because of it. And, and it's like, thank you. Like this has completely changed the way I look at, at that type of choice. And so um, you know, it's really fascinating. I'm one of those people. You know, I, I used to have like a really out of control candy addiction. Uh, I, I didn't. I wasn't overweight, and so I didn't have that like that consequence feedback loop where like my the scale was going up in the bathroom. Instead, I was, uh, you know, I I was just experiencing like probably under the under the radar metabolic breakdown. And so I haven't touched candy like literally in in two years. Ever since I started using CGM, and it was not a moment where I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm gonna make this extremely challenging cold turkey decision. It just completely the possibility ceased to exist when I saw how I responded to brown rice. It was just like, man, I, there's no way sugar, you know, candy's going to come back into my life. And so that's the type of thing that I think this enables.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cause I can relate. You mentioned, um, earlier. And so I just started using one of the bands to track that and, Mm. uh, you know, it's a and recovery podcast. So rest has always been a challenge for me. And so I, I noticed and that exact thought was going through my head yesterday on different choices i made to go to bed earlier and not whatever netflix binge or something stupid um but those little you know that little voice in the back of your head saying are you sure you want to be doing this right now and you've got the data stream now in front of you and you got the score and uh so yeah you kind of got that accountability partner in your pocket now yeah i think it taps
1: into like sort of these competitive pathways and these gamification things, you know, I personally want to see the high score every morning when I wake up. I want that green. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and I think, Hey, if that, if that is one of the incentive structures, fantastic. We will tap into it. And I think what's interesting is people love to to share this information. It's very social and uh, it's, it's, it's something that I am all in favor of improving or, or maximizing the number of incentives that we can. Uh, to make people care about this data, about metabolic health, about living, you know, holistic, wholesome lives and, and ultimately benefiting for, for many, many years in the future, just by the choices they make today. Uh, you know, so whatever, whatever means we need to
0: to use, you know, I think the gamification is one beautiful way to do it. And these yeah. new wearables are tapping that. Awesome. Well, uh, Josh, we're, we're coming up on time. I'm grateful for the time. Um, before we close out though, I do like to ask a few personal questions. So, um, What are you reading right now?
1: So I just finished a book last night that was called Red Notice. Um, It's about kind of an interesting finance and sort of espionage thriller uh, based in in Russia. True story of William Browder. Highly recommended. Cool. Um, And then I'm also reading the Art of. I believe it's called the Art of Science and Engineering, which is a Stripe Press book that was recommended
0: to me by someone on the team. Cool. All right. What are you listening to right now, whether music or podcast? So a lot of the podcasts
1: I listen to are definitely in the space of wellness and performance optimization. The ones I would, uh, I would definitely recommend, uh, of course, beyond this one would be, uh, Peter at the drive. It's an all-time favorite. He's uh, extremely technically competent, amazing, uh, amazing podcast there. And then I, I really also love, um, let's see, what are some others I need to, to pull out here? Um, I'm going to go with the I love the portal by Eric Weinstein. It's not in the wellness space, but it has some really interesting conversations. So I'm going to stick with those two for right okay. now as the,
0: my go-tos. Cool. And then what is your go-to rest and recovery method? So this is something I, I've been spending a lot more time focusing on. I, I
1: think the. uh, what's interesting is that cgm has really influenced my approach here to rest and recovery personally and so making better dietary choices leading up to to sleep Um, but also i i really limit my alcohol consumption now as a result of not not just glucose information although it is very closely tied but the way that i I see how um, you know again in in my sleep tracker how poorly i sleep and um, how poorly i recover if i have any alcohol even after like 5 p.m and so Um, I would say that that those are the two kind of lifestyle-oriented ones. And then uh, I'm a CrossFit level two trainer. I I care a lot about exercise and fitness. And um, I've been starting to kind of push my way away from CrossFit and closer to sort of triathlon stuff. I've taken a recent interest there. And so I'm just now kind of getting to the point where I really am putting a lot of miles in. I I have to start being more cautious about stretching and, and active recovery. And that's something I never have really done. It's yeah. a, it is a personal challenge right now that I'm working through. So I am open to tips on the, you know, I think on the rest and recovery thing, I would defer to you on how to improve that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have some, uh, especially come from the triathlon and running background. Mm. I did a few years in tries, but more historical runner. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, there's a couple different methods I've been using lately that uh, have been helpful I have a friend who has a facility mm. down the street from me called RXR3 in uh it's a recovery lounge. And so he has a number of different modalities that you can do, like a float tank. I don't know if you've ever done oh, that. Yeah, I have. That is probably my favorite. Um I I think an hour in there is equated to like three hours of sleep. So mm. um and a few others, but okay. But yeah. Yeah, I'll have to get those for me offline. Those are it's uh yeah, again. A very
1: In the last two years, I've started to pay much more attention to this.
0: Great. Well, Josh, again, thank you so much for the time. Look forward to seeing where Levels goes. And uh, thanks for pushing this technology forward. Appreciate it. Yeah, if, uh, if anyone
1: would like to learn more about the space and, and about what we're doing, highly recommend levelsouthcom forward slash blog. We write a lot about all of these different things on there. Uh, and, then, of course, levelsouth.com and at Unlock Levels on social media, if you'd like to uh, reach out to us, we love it.
0: Awesome. I'll be sure to include that in the notes. All right, sir. Much appreciated. Yeah. Great conversation. Thanks for having me on. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Hope you got a lot out of it. I know I had an enjoyable time with Josh and was educational. And uh, look forward to actually trialing the levels uh, application. I'm just have the box. I'm looking at it right now and going to get started on giving it a try for the next month. So I look forward to the results. Um, Also, if you're like me, you're active and that's why you need to rest and recover as much as possible. But I'm looking for races and things to do. And uh, recently discovered through our partner Pure Spectrum that there is an event coming up it's online, it's virtual that you can participate in. And right now you can register. It's open for OCR Stars, which is presented by Pure Spectrum. OCR Stars was founded by six-time obstacle course racing world champion CrossFit athlete and Pure Spectrum ambassador Hunter McIntyre. This will consist of four workouts over four weeks beginning November 2nd with massive cash prices. So sign up, get on a team and join, but register today at OCRstars.com.